What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110 and 993 WBT, 704 570 and 1 800 WBT 1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender and Getter, same name. And uh, remember, get the podcast at wbt.com. So it is now up to the North Carolina Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court to decide whether the legislative and congressional maps that the Republicans in the General Assembly approved a couple months ago, whether these maps are going to stand, and if they do stand, then uh, we would be voting in these districts that they drew in the upcoming election. And, of course, this has the impact on uh, the makeup of the uh, House of Representatives in washington dc as well we have 14 congressional districts here in north carolina we added a seat after the census our state has grown in population and so we picked up another seat and so they redrew the boundaries of all of the districts and so uh what uh uh, what these judges decide is going to have an impact on uh, the national political scene in the House of Representatives, where uh, other states are also going through their redistricting process as well, and Democrats are drawing themselves uh, big advantages in states where they control uh, the process. Republicans are trying to do the same in states where they control the process. This is the backdrop against which all of this is playing out. Um, That's what makes this so important. Redistricting um, is a very important uh, process. I know people's eyes glaze over on some of this stuff uh, because it gets into the weeds on the math and the, uh, the computer simulations and everything. But there really are some kind of core philosophical questions at play here. Um, and there are there are questions that nobody seems to be able to answer sufficiently. And the big one for me has always been define fair. What does a fair map mean? What, when you say you want fair maps, what does that mean? Because part of it is always going to be sort of looking back, right? You're always going to be looking back at the, the last election cycle, or you're looking back at the way people registered to vote, and you're trying to draw conclusions based on these data sets. And then using that data set, you're going to now advantage one of the two main political parties. And in North Carolina, that's becoming more and more problematic because right now, Democrats are the uh, top party by registration, right? So there are more people registered as Democrats than are registered as Republicans and unaffiliated. But here's the thing. They're about to lose that status. Republicans got bounced out of the second slot a while ago, like a year ago or something, or maybe longer, I forget. So right now, by registration, you've got number one, Democrat, number two, unaffiliated, and number three, Republican. But the Democrats are about to lose that top slot, too, like within a few weeks from now. They probably will not be the top party by registration or the top registration, I should say, because unaffiliated are not a part of any party. And in North Carolina, it just makes sense to not be affiliated because we have open primaries. I'm registered unaffiliated. I can go vote in any party primary i choose there's a real benefit to that what are fair maps what is a permissible gerrymander when you draw the lines what's permissible because you're allowed to use partisan advantage you are you're allowed to pay attention to partisan data 
There's nothing that prohibits you from doing that in the North Carolina state constitution. They can look at those results. Now, every time they do, Democrats cry foul and say you shouldn't be looking at those results, except when Democrats need you to look at those results where it helps them. Which is why I've been saying now for years that when Democrats say they want fair maps, what they mean are maps that advantage them. Right? They want to win more seats. That's what their argument comes down to. And any argument that they are trying to make that gets them to that goal, that's what they're going to make. They're going to argue that. And so that's what that's where we are right now. And you can't tell these these are not principled positions that these left-wing organizations are taking. They're not. In fact, one of them, the North Carolina League of Conservation Voters, their explicit argument is we need to be able to elect more Democrats because otherwise we can't get the stuff that we want passed through the General Assembly. That's their argument. Has been for a couple of years now. NAACP makes this same argument that we can't trust the Republicans to do what we want. We can't count on the Republicans to listen to us when we lobby them and shower money on them, although they don't. But like we, we can't influence policy with these people. They don't agree with us. So what we need to be able to do is to get better maps so we can elect Democrats so we can pay them to win and get our agenda passed. That's what's going on in the court. Now, they don't make these explicit arguments, but that's what's going on in these court cases. That's the backdrop. All right. So uh, we had oral arguments that occurred yesterday in the state Supreme Court, and it was done uh, via Zoom. They did it uh, remotely. So I was able to watch it. It occurred. It started at like 930 in the morning yesterday. So I was able to have it on and I was watching it as I was doing the show prep for yesterday's program. Uh, and then uh, after it ended, I uh, recorded it all into the, uh, into the system and then went back and cut it up. So I have now listened to these arguments basically three times, right? <laughs> like three times I've listened to this hour and a half uh, uh, court proceeding. And uh, when I play these clips, it will now have been a fourth time I will have heard these clips. But if you didn't get a chance... To monitor this court case, you're in luck. I did it for you. I'm going to give you the highlights because I'm a giver. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Dave Wasserman from, what is this, Redistrict? That's where he goes by. Uh, he is, oh, sorry, he's the U.S. House editor of the nonpartisan Cook Political Report. And... Um, he just retweeted or just tweeted out um, talking about Pennsylvania's Democrat majority Supreme Court now will take over congressional redistricting from the pro-Trump lower court judge. So that there you go. So it's a Democrat majority Supreme Court and it's a pro-Trump lower court judge. So the the Democrats at the higher court level, they're now going to take over the redistricting drawing of the maps. Uh, which now is seen as a boon for the Democrats. Gee, I wonder why. This is the fight that's going on. North Carolina is part of this fight. So keep that in mind as you hear these arguments from yesterday's oral arguments at the state Supreme Court, where Democrats have a four to three uh, majority, at least until November, because two of those seats are up for reelection and they're both held right now by Democrats. And this is not looking like a good year for Democrats. Anyway, Stanton Jones. He is a lawyer for one of the plaintiffs, one of the left-wing groups, and um, he opened up the oral argument citing the lower court 
That was a unanimous finding, two Republicans, one Democrat on that lower court panel. Uh, They're finding that the maps are partisan gerrymanders. And the plaintiffs want the Supreme Court to rule that this violates the North Carolina state constitution. Here's his argument. The North Carolina constitution establishes a democracy in which all political power is derived from the people and must be founded upon their will only. This court thus declared long ago that this is a government of the people in which the will of the people legally expressed must govern. Central to this democratic form of government are free and fair elections in which all citizens have equal voting power. Every voter gets an equal say in who will represent their interests, and the will of the people as a whole determines which party controls the levers of power. Mm. But in a partisan gerrymander, the leaders already in power manipulate the district lines to subvert the will of the people. They classify voters on the basis of their political beliefs and then systematically sort the minority party's voters into districts to minimize their electoral influence. The intent and effect is to predetermine the outcome of elections and entrench the majority party in power regardless of how the people vote. So one thing to keep in mind here, he's talking about the majority party, which is the Republican Party here, but the Republican Party is actually number three by voter registration. But they keep winning elections. So weird. He also keeps using the term free and fair, which Justice Newby, Paul Newby, the Republican chief justice, uh, makes a comment about later on, which then prompts the left-wing North Carolina activists to lose their minds. But I know, too late. But the free and fair elections line that he keeps using, we don't actually have that line anywhere in our Constitution. Um, I also thought it was interesting, they keep equating this, you know, votes equal uh, for the party in power, so the people determine what party has the power. But that's actually not the point. The point is to elect a representative, right? The point is to elect a senator. I mean, the party system that we have is not enshrined in our Constitution, Anybody could theoretically run and win. And by the way, there's also another component here that they never talk about either, which is that a minority party of the majority party, in other words, like think the House Freedom Caucus or something, they get to wield outsized influence inside their party. You could be just like a lot of people were for a century and a half when Democrats ran the show. A lot of people uh, would register as Democrats, but then use their access into that world in order to push the party different ways and have influence inside the party, even though they might not necessarily be aligned with the Democrats if they could, right? If they could otherwise win, they would run as a different uh, member of a different party. Okay, Um, Chief Justice Newby asks Jones if he thought it constitutional that there be some partisan consideration used. Jones admitted, yes, there was, but if it goes too far and the effect is to advantage the majority party, then that's not allowed. That's unconstitutional. Um, Newby then went to the, the last maps, though, that the Democrats drew. This goes back to 2008. Isn't it very difficult to predict the outcome of an election? For example, in 2008, uh, the maps were clearly drawn with Democrat partisan intent. And the 2008 election produced 
uh, uh, 30 uh, Democrat senators versus 20 Republican, uh, the same uh, margin of Democrat control in the House. And yet with those same gerrymandered maps in 2010, uh, those numbers flipped, uh, even giving the Republicans a greater advantage. The same maps, the same precincts, uh, the same uh, voting districts. How would you explain that? Your, Your Honor, um, using prior statewide election results, map makers have very sophisticated tools to measure the partisanship of districts and predict their performance with, with surgical precision. Dr. Hoffler did it last decade, and the trial court in this case found that that is exactly what the legislative defendants, the map makers, did in this case. All right, so the question was, how do you explain that Democrats won in 08 with gerrymandered maps that they drew, yet two years later, Republicans flipped them, won the majorities under the exact same maps? How do you explain that? And Stanton Jones could not. He did not uh, uh, answer the question. Because the answer would defeat his entire argument. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. So Zach Schulf, he is the attorney for the North Carolina League of Conservation Voters, left-wing group that says they need uh, more Democrats uh, to be elected so this way they can advance their agenda through the General Assembly. And the maps that Republicans have drawn prevents Democrats from winning majorities in the General Assembly. And... Uh, that if the will of the people is for Democrats to control the chambers, then the maps should allow for that. So the Chief Justice, Paul Newby, says, well, wait a minute, how is that not an argument then for proportionality as a principle, right? Like to say, okay, you guys got X amount of votes in the last election, or you have X amount of uh, X percentage of the voter registration or whatever, and so you should get a proportionate amount of the districts drawn to ensure you win, right? That's a proportionality argument. How is what you're saying not a proportionality argument? It's it's not a proportionality argument, Your Honor. Uh, proportionality, proportional representation says that if a party gets, you know, 52% of the votes, it should get 52% of the seats. That's not our argument. Our argument is grounded on the fundamental principle set forth in Section 2 of the Declaration of Rights that uh, government is founded on the will of the people alone. Mm. And that when you have maps that systematically prevent uh, a party that wins a majority of votes from obtaining a majority of seats, uh, it, it thwarts that basic principle. Um, the place where I... Why can't you say that the will of the people is established by the precise language of the Constitution and that the precise language of the Constitution in Article 2 uh, gives the General Assembly the authority to redistrict and it sets out the objective standards that are to be used? Why isn't that the will of the people? So, Your Honor, I think that goes to exactly the, the place that I wanted to hit, which is the political question doctrine, and in particular, whether this is an issue that by the Constitution's text has been vested in the General Assembly's exclusive, unreviewable discretion. 
And we submit the answer to that is no, and that the Stevenson case makes clear that the answer is no. It holds that that very same districting authority in Article 2, Sections 3 and 5, uh, is limited by the Equal Protection Clause. And what that case says is that it is, quote, well within the power of the judiciary of a state to require a valid reapportionment or to formulate a valid redistricting plan. Okay, so what he's arguing there is that the General Assembly, yes, has the authority to draw the districts. It says it right there in the Constitution. But if the General Assembly uses that power to entrench itself in power, no matter the, quote, will of the people, then other constitutional provisions come to the fore. Okay? Well, how do you know that? First off, keep in mind here, that everybody is saying that we're a 50-50 state, that this is all very, very close, right? So what is the criteria that the court is supposed to use in order to determine whether or not that that has occurred? That they have used this power to usurp the will of the people? What then, and, and that prompting the court to step in, what's the criteria that we're supposed to use? Here we're talking about a task specifically assigned by the Constitution to a branch of government. Here we get into separation of power issues if there's not a clear constitutional standard. It's What I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing you say is the General Assembly should use all of its nonpartisan uh, uh, drawing criteria, and then after they've done that, go back with some kind of an overlay based on some types of statewide uh, races that are selected uh, either all or some. Uh, and, and based on that, if the maps as drawn based on nonpartisan criteria, if the maps as drawn uh, indicate uh, some type of uh, partisan advantage, then that's unconstitutional. Is that what you're saying? So, Your Honor, what I would say is that we do think that the General Assembly can and should look at election results. As Mr. Jones explained, the U.S. Supreme Court expressly approved that in the Gaffney versus Cummings case. And that is the only way we submit that you can answer the question that Section 2 of the Declaration of Rights asks and decide whether this is still a government that's founded on uh, the will of the people. Uh, and we have provided a very administrable standard to do that. You can look at page, I think it's 20. All right, hang on. I'm going to stop there because Newby is going to uh, interrupt him again. Here's the thing, though. Democrats began running candidates in every legislative district a couple election cycles back, even ones where they had no chance to win, ones where they were uh, assured victory. Right. They had obviously they would they would run candidates in those races. They drive up the turnout in those races that they knew they would win. They would also put candidates into the field when they knew they could not win in order to what drive up turnout as well. They've been building this case over the course of the last decade since they lost power. Because in the old days, I'm old enough to remember this, and I've done stories on I did stories on this years ago. There's uh, two different schools of thought, basically, when you're uh, if you're a party looking to run candidates, you can say, OK, we're going to go and try to put candidates in only those districts where we know we've got a fighting chance to win. 
because there's no sense in siphoning off resources into races where we can't win. And resources, not just money, but also like grassroots uh, uh, volunteers, people who are going to, you know, do phone banking for you and get out the vote efforts, like all of that stuff that you do to get people to go vote. Why would you use those resources in a district where the candidate can't possibly win because it's been drawn, the district was drawn in such a way that their chances are nil? So focus on the districts where you can win, okay? But Democrats, you may remember this, They a couple cycles ago, I want to say it was probably about uh, four cycles back maybe, they put out, or they made this big deal about how they, had, uh, fe- how they were fielding candidates in every single district. Look at us. We, for the first time ever, and then Republicans quickly followed suit. They scrambled and they got people in every district too. And at first it was treated as just this like PR thing. But the point was to plant the seeds for this case, I'm convinced, because now you're using this argument that, well, look at us. We got all these voters that turned out and voted for these candidates and they couldn't win. Yeah, but you were driving up turnout in races that didn't matter in races that were so heavily Republican districts that you couldn't possibly win, and now you're going to use those totals to argue that that's an expression of the will of the people, even in a solid Republican area. This has been building for a very long time. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. And uh, look, Democrats in North Carolina have been running candidates in every district for the last few election cycles, about three or four that I recall. Made a big deal about it, I remember, too, because it was kind of hilarious. They were arguing uh, in court that uh, the uh, gerrymandering that the Republicans were doing was preventing them from attracting candidates. And then they literally turned around and issued a press release saying, this is the first time in history we've run candidates in every single district. So... Yeah, both things cannot be true, right? They say they they said that the uh, the gerrymandering that the Republicans are doing is preventing them from raising money, and then literally turned around and issued a press release saying that they raised more money than they ever have before. Um, so they've been running candidates in all these districts, even ones where they had no chance to win, and obviously in the ones that they had no chance to lose. And what they did then is run up the numbers. They run up the numbers statewide. They then cite those numbers as proof that they should have more seats because they had more numbers. That is a proportionality argument. As much as they want to deny it, it is plain for all to see. It is a proportionality argument. We got, you know, 60% of the votes cast in all of the races, and so we should have 60% of the uh, seats. That's their argument. A proportion, and maybe, and look, you could you can debate the merits of a proportional system. That's not what I'm here to do. This is only achievable, though. A proportional representative model is only achievable if you draw the districts based on election results, which I would point out here. Democrats sued. To prevent us from doing right we're not allowed to so that's why they didn't use partisan data they didn't use racial data because every time they use any of these data sets that democrats used to use when they drew the maps the democrats sue and say you can't use these so then the republicans are like fine we won't use them they drew new maps and they're like well what'd you use this time like well we use the partisan data you can't use that either they're like all right fine we can't use that they throw that out they're literally not using any of those data sets and they still get sued And then Democrats are arguing, 
you need to use the partisan election uh, election results in order to determine the outcomes of these districts. See, so there's not a principle here that they are opposed to partisan gerrymandering. They simply wanted to favor them so they can win control. And once they get control, they want to enact all their policies. That's what this is about. That's what the fight is about. There's no interest in, like, trying to run some Democrats who could, you know, cross over and uh, uh, co- uh, compromise or cooperate with Republicans. That, that, that's not in their interest here. That's not the point. They don't want Democrats to be voting with Republicans. They will tell you that, too. They target, they target Democratic lawmakers in the General Assembly who go along with the Republicans too often or on particularly uh, you know, newsworthy, critical pieces of legislation. They will target them. They have. I would also point out that some of them are black lawmakers. But I know, I know, it's only the Republicans that are racist, right? Okay, so uh, Judge Newby, the Chief Justice, highlighted... The weakness in their argument, I would say it's a pretty glaring one, which is that this is a proportionate argument. This is what they are advocating. Define proportionality for me. So, to be clear, again, we do not advocate for proportionality, but the definition... I don't want to get caught up with semantics, so you tell me what you mean by proportionality. So, the, the core principle we invoke is the principle that... Uh, Section 2 sets forth, it is one of popular sovereignty of majority rule uh, to ensure that a majority of uh, North Carolinians can indeed uh, shape what laws are passed. I mean, after all, Section 10 of the Declaration of Rights explains that the reason why we require frequent elections is to amend the laws. And that requires that the majority be able to govern. But I do want to circle back, Your Honor, to the Pennsylvania example. I need you to define proportionality. Well, so I guess I have trouble defining proportionality for Your Honor, and I apologize for that because it's not a concept that we use in our arguments, and it's not a concept that we uh, are advocating for. I do think proportional representation has a precise definition that says the the percentage of seats that a party gets Mm -hmm. should precisely track its percentage of the vote. And, you know, that, again, is not our argument. Um, How is that different than the will of the people argument? Well, because our will of the people principle is one that says a majority of the people should generally be able uh, to elect a majority of the General Assembly, at least so long as that is feasible within the constraints of neutral, traditional districting criteria. Okay, so the majority should be able to govern as the majority is what he's saying. And the majority, as they want to define it, is the, the one metric where they won the majority. Right? That's the metric that they're using here. They're using, if you, so think of it this way, right? You have, you have, uh, uh, what, 50 state Senate seats, and uh, I think it's, right? Yeah, 50. And then you've got 120 House seats. So they're taking those legislative seats and all of the vote totals, they put them all together, and then they say, what's the percentage of votes that went for Democrats and percentage of votes that went for Republicans? If you total all of those district races, here's the problem, though. People aren't voting in all those district races. Those district races are voted in, right, by the voters of that district. That's it. So they're not, they're voting on their particular candidate. Candidates matter. I always say this. Candidates matter. And they're using that cumulative 
uh, number in order to make this proportionality, not a proportionality argument. And he, and he's, he says there, that's uh, Zach Schoff uh, from the North Carolina League of Conservation Voters, he makes the argument there that, oh, we're not being precise here. I'm not trying to argue for a precise, uh, you know, equal number. So, like, if it's 61% of the total votes cast for Democrats, that we would get 61% of the votes. See, he's not making that kind of a precise argument because they want wiggle room. This is the deal. They want a little bit of wiggle room. They want to be able to gerrymander more seats for themselves if they get back into power. Because here's another metric you could use, but they're, they're not using this one. How about this? Council of State races. How about that one? Can we use that metric? The Council of State in North Carolina is 10 statewide races. Everybody votes in these 10 statewide races. How about we look at the composition of those votes? How about that? Oh, because in that case, six of those 10 races went for the Republicans. So they should get 60% of the seats in the General Assembly, right? Roughly, give or take, you know, one or two percentage points, I guess. Why can't I make that argument? I mean, it's not a proportionality argument. It's simply the will of the people as measured in 10 statewide races. How about that? How about council of state races as the metric by which we guide ourselves? No? Gee, I wonder why. News is next. (laughs) 